0: This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In recent years, political campaigns have tended to emphasize issues of gay marriage and abortion, polarizing voters and leaving the impression that these are the only values debates that our country faces. In his new book, The Moral Center, How We Can Reclaim Our Country from Die-Hard Extremists, Rogue Corporations, Hollywood Hacks and Pretend Patriots, our guest today, David Callahan, contends that the problems most Americans face are indeed values-based, but are more about the selfishness that is screening out of control, the effect of our violent and consumerist culture on children, and our lack of a greater purpose. Callahan has written for the New York Times, the Washington Post, USA Today, and the American Prospect. He is the author of five previous books, including The Cheating Culture and Kindred Spirits. David Callahan, welcome to Weekly Signals.
1: Great to be here.
0: Uh, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? Everything right?
1: Uh, I'm good. I'm okay. good. Thank okay. you.
0: Where are, Where are you? Uh, where are we reaching you at? What I'm in New York world? City, How? in Manhattan. Is it uh, what's the weather like? Oh, it's it's like,
1: very pleasant.
0: Okay, oh, oh, so n- No, no global warming yet, or the upside <laughs> of global warming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For now. So, so tell us what got you started on this book. Was there a point in time you wanted to move ahead with this, or was this a long going project of yours?
1: Well, this book kind of is uh, builds on my last book, which was uh, called "The Cheating Culture: Why More Americans Are Doing Wrong to Get Ahead," and that book looked at. Uh, widespread ethical misconduct in American life, everything from the corporate scandals to tax evasion to the steroids in sports to the plagiarism of journalists to cheating students and so on. And basically, the point I made in that book is, you know, look, all this focus on money and materialism and, um, you know, status and, and all of the the kind of uh, the culture we live in, the consumer culture we live in, brings out some real uh, uh, moral problems that, that need to get more attention and that uh, those problems are, are just as as great and in many cases much greater than the problems that the politicians talk about, which is gay marriage, abortion, those few social hot-button issues that have really been front and center in the values debate, uh, I think are often less important than the... Than the uh, other issues that 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 we confront
0: do you think that people care more about uh abortion and gay marriage than these other issues, or is this just a hoax put on us by the politicians
1: Well, a hoax is too strong of a word i mean mm-hmm. I think what we 've seen is a very uh, narrow values debate in this country we've we 've had uh, you know the Christian right and uh, social conservatives who 've really orchestrated that debate, and their agenda has been very narrow they 've wanted to talk about kind of the downsides of of the social freedoms that came out of the 1960s and um, you know permissive uh, uh, social permissiveness and and these aspects of that, that they they blame on liberalism what they haven 't wanted to talk about is what I call the moral downsides of capitalism you know the the, the greed the Materialism, the you know the focus on money and uh, the commercialism, and um, so they've orchestrated the debate. They've kept it pretty narrowly focused, and you haven't heard much from from moderates or, or progressives in this debate over values and. and uh, so what my book tries to do is really open up the terms of the discussion and say, look, it's not that teen pregnancy or divorce or abortion or, or or gay marriage aren't important issues to discuss. They are important issues to discuss. It's rather that there have to be other issues that are also on the table in, that, in the conversation.
2: You know, it's important to point out that this is a tactic that goes way back, and I, I was looking at... Uh... Uh, something you had written previously, uh, Spiro Agnew he used the, was uh, was famous for using the phrase "acid amnesty and abortion" in defining what the Democratic Party values were, uh, and that goes back to the uh, late 1960s. So, uh, uh-huh. they, it's they've been very they've been this is a prolonged campaign, I guess is my point, it hasn't it been? It's uh, it's a very prolonged
1: campaign. I mean, this is really came out of the. The 60s, and it goes back further, of course. I mean, you could look back to the to the 1920s or the Progressive Era uh, and find some some similar uh, similar kinds of language. I mean, there's a strong kind of traditionalist, nativist uh, streak in American life, and um, conservatives have often tried to discredit uh, movements for social justice by by uh, sort of pushing people's buttons and um on the other hand I, I think look it's 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 true that the the social freedoms uh, that 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 really blossomed during the 1960s the sexual revolution the the, uh, the uh, uh, ability to get a divorce uh the rise of drug use that the individualism that came out of the 60s all of these things have have serious downsides that we do need to talk about and i think most americans Uh, uh, understand that, and I think that that to the extent that progressives don't seriously engage the anxieties uh, that people have around uh, some of those things, uh, the family, the sexual revolution, that they're going to not really be relevant in in the debate.
0: We're speaking with David Callahan. His book is The Moral Center. Well, what what do you think, uh, what buttons can the uh, progressive democrats push to turn the debate around what what would and i know i you know maybe you don't want to push a hot button but but how do you change the debate
1: well i think that uh, step step number 1 is to really acknowledge that moral anxiety is out there that it's strong and that this is a legitimate set of issues to address i mean i think that there's been a a kind of strain within within the, the liberal world which says hey, look, people who are worried about values are just under some false consciousness, that that's not the stuff that really matters. What really matters is the economic interests of voters. You know, Thomas Frank made that argument in what's the matter with Kansas, you know, that voters are just sort of duped into worrying about these values issues. And and that's just not so. I mean, the the, the fact is is that if you uh, look at, at, at polls, you find a really startling uh, trend, which is that Americans uh, across the political divide 80% of Americans think that this country is ha- has uh problems with its values and that the that the moral uh state in this country is is extremely negative. I mean voters worry about this stuff quite intensely, but they see the problem as, as in rather broad terms. They worry about selfishness. Generally, they worry about the decline of the family not just it, um uh, issues like divorce, but also all the economic pressures on families. Uh, they define this, these values issues rather rather seriously. So Democrats need to to uh, sort of face up to the anxieties and then try to channel some of those anxieties in, in their own direction.
0: Now, do you think that during the last election, the Democrats faced any of those anxieties? Does that account for any of the uh, victories they had?
1: Well I think that the that the Democrats were uh, uh, operating in a pretty favorable political climate i mean mm-hmm. bush 's approval ratings below forty percent a disastrous war in iraq no, no real wage gains for for many households uh, i don 't think that this election really says anything about uh, uh, what democratic messages work most effectively i mean I think there are some signs that the economic populist messages were were effective, but basically this was a big vote against Republicans, not for Democrats. And if and if you look at this election and say, "Oh, you know, the values issues that were so important in in two thousand four and two thousand that in fact have been important in many elections going back to the nineteen sixties don't matter anymore, and we don't need to think about those issues anymore," you'd be making a big. Mistake.
2: I guess the thing that when I hear the Republicans talk about you know uh, gays and and uh, abortion and uh, guns, gays and abortion, I guess are the three things that uh, seem to resonate. I, I I understand what you're saying. There's a need to take the, the, the what they're saying seriously and address it and all. But I'm always taken by how few people are actually affected by whether or not gay people get married, about whether or not. Uh, abortion is is uh, available for a woman who who chooses to to, to do that. How, well, that's
1: very I, I, true, but I think you also have to understand some of those hot button issues as proxy uh, issues that uh, they are sort of symbolic in many ways of a broader set of concerns about. Uh, say for example that the sexual revolution uh, right. run amok, or or uh, the breakdown of the family, and and the, those issues really do affect people.
2: Well, then then that's a legitimate uh, debate that needs to be had, and and it and as I as I see it, it's more in in tune with what you're saying, which is the reasons for the breakdown of the family have to do more with. That, that everyone in the household needs to work now in order to make enough money to support themselves, and these are economic issues, that we're still fighting the cultural wars of the 60s, aren't we?
1: Yeah, and what I suggest in my book is that we really need to get past the culture war framework. I right. mean, for 40 years it's been a debate between uh, traditionalism and modernism. It's it's feminism versus chauvinism, it's pro-life versus pro-choice, it's soft on crime versus tough on crime, right. etc. And what I suggest is that, in fact, there's a very different moral struggle going on in the United States today And roughly speaking, it's a struggle between market values and human values. It's between the kind of soulless, rational logic of the market, which is growing ever stronger in this age of turbocharged capitalism, uh, and the kind of notions of the bottom line and profit and efficiency, which are creeping into more and more corners of of life, and against that, this rather more fuzzier sphere, which is about uh, our obligations to others, our care for others, our compassion for others, our tendency to see ourselves as citizens who share common fate with strangers rather than just as consumers. Um, So there's a very different way to think and talk about uh, the values, challenges facing this country. Uh, And and I I think getting out of that culture war framework uh, is is really crucial if we want to build a kind of new majoritarian politics.
2: Well, and I agree with what you said. It's just that, we keep getting dragged back into this kind of hallmark uh, framework of, of what America is, and that's why when you see somebody like a Trent Lott and his comments about Strom Thurmond and how he was sort of run out of town, which I thought was the right thing to do, but now he's back. So we're 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 still when 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 I hear conservatives talk about traditional values, I can't help but think about white America in the fifties and and how mo, uh, and how blacks were we 're in an apartheid system and, and it it just stirs up in me a real resentment about where the debate really right. is and why it 's not on these economic issues and but, I get angry and i 'm unable to essentially down like that. Yeah, but the question
1: the question you have to ask is why is it that uh, a conservative moral language has had such traction, yeah. and i don 't think the reason is just because. Americans are, are a bunch of, of bigots and chauvinists who want to go back to the 1950s. I think it's because uh, even though Americans don't agree with a lot of what the Christian right says, we don't want abstinence-only sex education. We don't want an absolute ban on abortion. We don't want to roll back no-fault divorce laws. We don't want to uh, do a lot of things that the Christian right does. But the but the the language of... of hey, there's a cultural crisis, there's a problem with the values of this society, Uh, we need to sort of get back to some moral bottom line, is very resonant even with with quite moderate voters who don't share any of the policy prescriptions of the right. And so what I suggest in my book is that we can't let the, the conservatives have that moral monopoly and that progressives and moderates need to come up with their own authority Authentic moral language to talk about this stuff, and again, for me, that what that the, the narrative here comes back to uh, the problems with 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 uh, the the market and commercialism and the rise of self-interest and and the trends that we've seen over the past two decades in this country, uh, and and I don't hear any Democrats who are who are telling that moral story of of what's wrong until we have. Now, our own alternative narrative yeah. of what has gone wrong with the values of this country, it's always going to come back to the Ann Coulter, uh, Gary Bauer, Jerry Falwell narrative.
2: Yeah. The, the, we're speaking with David Callahan. The book is The Moral Center, How We Can Reclaim Our Country from Die Hard Extremists, Rogue Corporations, Hollywood Hacks, and Pretend Patriots. And I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I think you're absolutely right. We need to do that. Do you think John Edwards who has been speaking for a number of years now about sort of the uh, economic disparity the the rich and the poor the difference between the two uh is is having any kind of an impact or, or...
1: Yeah, I think that John Edwards was very effective uh in in um in his in his language and um uh, because he really did have a values language. Uh, unfortunately, Edwards tended to be kind of limited to just the economic issues. Uh, and dinner, uh, you know, he hasn't really engaged issues of, of family and, and sexuality and crime and punishment and these other kinds of moral issues that have been so uh, uh, powerful in, in, the, in the political debate of the last few decades.
2: How much? How much of an impact do you think this? But uh, Barack
1: Obama, on the other hand, I, yeah. I think has has maybe cast a wider net and 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 you know using moral language.
2: Do you? In what regard? How do you? How do you see him? Has he been talking about? Is there any
0: particular uh, issue that he's bringing up over, uh, say, Edwards that? makes more sense to you, or is it is it just the language, of the facing of responsibility?
1: It, 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 yeah, it's a, it's a sort of broader language of, of personal responsibility that he weaves together with, with kind of mutual responsibility.
0: We're speaking with David Callahan, and his book is The Moral Center. Now, do you, I, I guess, well, I think I'm speaking for Mike here, too. The, the problem is, is actually implementing uh, something that changes the debate, and I, I think that when politicians just the, the the language of fear is stronger than the language of reason in a lot of cases, and our country has been uh, fearful for many years now. Uh, how do you how do you crack open that that egg? especially you, in an age of
2: terrorism yeah, when we're I, faced with that that's a, such a pervasive part of what the dialogue is? Yeah,
0: how do you tell them? You know, that we really don't need to spend all all the uh, money for protecting ourselves, and we need to to think about... Taking spend- care of ourselves. yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> well, I guess it's, uh, I mean, I guess it's partly a, an exercise in in, uh, a, for progressives anyway, inoculation. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, with, this is a term that we often heard about in re- re- regard to, to Bill Clinton. Uh, um, you know, that, that take, take an issue like the family, for example. I, I think that I- if you look at the, what's really powering the Christian right, it's the sort of focus on family is front and center there, and I think the one reason the right has had such success uh is that they've sort of painted uh the left as being anti family and uh and and you don't actually hear many democratic politicians talk about the family uh in in some really heartfelt uh authentic way about the you know, really speaking about that the, the family as a powerful human institution that, that binds us together that we need to defend and strengthen. Mm. You know, you don't hear that kind of language uh, from from John. John Kerry didn't say anything about, uh, uh, I mean, you hear Democrats talk about working families and, and then go straight to issues like health care, but you never hear a kind of more spiritual language uh, around family. And uh, so I think that, that that kind of language could could go a long way in reassuring moderate voters uh, uh that we that we care about family also h- honing in on some of the media there the media you. issues the trash culture that so many parents are worried about i mean you know george bush won married uh parents by something like 20 percentage points in the 2004 election and there's a reason for that
2: well i want to uh, david Callan, i want to also say uh that you're you're talking about some very important issues in in an era of the ascendancy of corporate power into the highest levels of American government. And one of, the va- one of the most valuable things for me as a progressive about the way things were through the 60s and into the 70s and, and really died in the 80s was that uh, government was a more powerful institution in society, and the reason I was comfortable with that as, as a progressive was that it was accountable that you as a citizen could vote in or out somebody from government but with the ascendancy of corporate power there is a there is a a, a lack of accountability a lack of recourse when corporations do things as you're talking about earlier about sort of this efficiency mode this uh, you know bottom line kind of mentality we don't have that anymore and i think as i've read from some of your stuff you would like to see a a, a larger role for government but the Republicans have so poisoned the uh, the atmosphere in terms of when you talk about government that it's a very difficult case to make.
1: Well, I think that, um, you know... Historically, there's almost always been a backlash against the overreach of of corporate power in the United States, and I see no reason to be totally pessimistic that that that's not going to happen again. I mean, look at where we were 100 years ago when large trusts basically dominated the United States, or look at where we were in the 1920s with with business uh, um, basically dominating Washington and, you know, the Coolidge presidency and the Hoover presidency, or look at where we were in the 1950s, the kind of age of the organizational man and and large corporate conformity uh, being a central theme of our of our society. And every time there's been a backlash to that. And I, 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 mm-hmm. I, I you know, Ultimately, this is a, a, an egalitarian nation, and uh, we will only allow corporate power to overreach so far before there's some pushback. And I think that that the the uh, 2006 election is an example of some of that pushback, and the the theme of economic populism. I think uh, it's it's not accidental that that had a lot of uh, of resonance.
2: You said you're, you're, this, there was some pushback in 2006, and I, I agree with that. Do you see some sustained momentum coming out of 2006? Do you think the Democrats or progressives or some kind of a labor movement, is there any momentum in the direction of continuing that uh, that uh, to be the case?
1: I think there's a lot of momentum. I've been working in the progressive world for 20 years, and I can never remember a time when there was more energy, uh, optimism, organizational energy than there's been j- in just the the past few years. I mean, we've seen the the rise of major new think tanks like the Center for American Progress in Washington. Um, okay. uh, we've seen huge uh, 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 box office success of progressive documentaries uh, uh, like um, uh, Michael Moore's Michael Moore's movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, we've seen Air America come out of uh, nowhere, which is having some problems, but nevertheless, I mean, we've seen a a number of of progressive books hit the bestseller list. We've seen the rise of uh, MoveOn.org and and this whole world of of net roots activism. I mean, there's a lot of of, – and we've seen a kind of revival of – uh, labor organizing efforts and and major victories with with janitors in yeah. Houston and Los Angeles there's a lot happening and so uh, um, so I'm optimistic that that there is in fact momentum uh ultimately that the the Democratic Party is not going to be a progressive party unless it's it's uh operating in a uh, climate of public opinion, which is um, uh, hospitable to progressive ideas, and also responding to pressures coming from from you know the grassroots.
2: Well, I I know that the Democratic Party has within it now the Progressive Democrats of America, which is a group that's been very um, lobbying very hard for progressive uh, on progressive issues. We do see now that in the House and in the Senate, um, some of the longest-serving members are some of the more more liberal members of Congress, which are Conyers and Rangel and. Pelosi being the new speaker, so there is within the Democratic Party some reason to be optimistic. My fear is that this sort of Republican echo chamber of consisting of Fox and much of the mainstream media is going to be beating a drum from the very get go that's going to make it very difficult for these for these people to make progress but i'm- I'm optimistic at the end of the day. I think what the, the things you articulated are are going to be effective, but
0: guardedly optimistic how's that right so <laughs> you know. Uh, just to go briefly back to uh, the trash culture, um, I kind of like some trash culture. <laughs> I was watching Pulp Fiction last night, and I, I, I really like the movie. I, I look at it as a biblical tale. not Well, as, Pulp Fiction is yeah. not
1: trash culture. I well, mean, Pulp I, Fiction is a, is a sophisticated indie movie.
0: Well, at the time, I <laughs> The
1: Weapon 4 is trash culture. <laughs> okay,
0: I just want to be sure. But then I, I guess my fear in a lot of this stuff is, uh, is censorship. And it's it's very easy for I, you and you and I think uh, Pulp Fiction is an artistic movie. It's very easy for a uh, a right wing publican running for Congress to stand up there and say that and, and identify that with trash culture rather than uh, Rambo with or trash Springer culture. Or yeah, say. and and so I I think that's kind of you know I know it's a it's a minor point, but in a, in a in some way it kind of brings up the broader point that that people almost have to be reeducated as to to what. What is greed and what 's not greed, and what is taking responsibility and and what 's not right does it, I, and I, I, in my mind, I think it begins with education Have, Where do you stand on that?
1: Well, I think that you know just to stick with the media as an mm-hmm. example if if you think about where this country was thirty years ago, there was a real conversation happening about. Uh, the problems of the media, right? There was a lot of critical books about media mm-hmm. and advertising. I think there was a real mainstream discourse over uh, the kind of dangers of television and the, the stereotyping, gender stereotyping and advertising. And there's a real critical stance uh, by many parents towards towards television and, and media. And um, And that has sort of faded away. And, uh and even though it's liberal scholars who have piled up research study after research study that documents the negative effects of violence on television or in video games or the misogynist images and in, in uh in music or the, the 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 sexist stereotypes in advertising even though that it's the liberals who' piled up all this this data and research, uh, the Democratic politicians are basically mum on the media, mm-hmm. as are many sort of progressive pundits. And so there's no there's no critical stance. And I think taking such a critical stance could could help us uh, reverse the tide towards ever more con- corporate control over the media and and, and bolster the case for, for public broadcasting and all of that. I mean, uh, you know, those are those are extremely important goals.
2: David Callahan, I want to thank you for being here on Weekly Signals. The book is Moral Center, and uh, the and David Callahan has been with us. Um, it, we, they can go to demos. Dot yes. org and check it out. Uh, you and uh, many other fine art, authors have uh, done some great work uh, and I think uh, definitely deserve to be checked out. Moral Center, David Callahan, thank you for being on Weekly Signals.
0: Thank you. Take care. to learn more about weekly signals interviews including upcoming guests or to download the podcast visit our website at weeklysignals.com and be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles until next week i'm nathan callahan and i'm mike caspar and this is weekly signals